Evans and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And we are into the 5 o'clock hour here on Burns and Gambo. Happy Friday to you. We are live from Footprint Center. Coverage today brought to you by FanDuel. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. Suns Nuggets will preview that matchup coming up in the next segment of the show with all the latest on who the Nuggets are and are not playing tonight. But last night, opening night for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and there is a tendency among some casual baseball fans to overreact to what happens on opening night. It's just one of 162. That's it. They're done. Yeah. There goes the playoff hopes, wild card, contest. forget yeah, it. Apparently you're going to do it, Same too. old deep knob. <laughs> I don't believe that. No, but you know what? If there is one overreaction to last night, I don't even know if it qualifies as overreaction. Yeah. I'm, no more Dodgers. Like, like, play these four games now. Play four games against them next weekend. Yeah. I'm glad that after that you've only got five games left against them the rest of the year. Because I'm just, enough. Enough of them. The right comparison for Dodgers-Diamondbacks is that the Dodgers are the Harlem Globetrotters and the Diamondbacks are the Washington Generals. It is true. That's the truth. Especially there. They Especially in that building. Beat you every time they play you. 22 you. of the 25 games the Diamondbacks yeah. have played at Dodger Stadium, they've lost. 22 of the last 25. The Washington Generals won a game occasionally against the Globetrotters, right? Oh, no. I think they did. Occasionally they? they won a game. That's what I'm saying. But that's what it was like. Like The Globetrotters won almost all the time. Let's look that up. I'm going to look that up. How many games did the Generals, that's what they were called, yes, right? Yes, the Washington Generals. Beat the Globetrotters. Did they ever beat the Globetrotters? Yes, I'm sure they did. I would demand a refund if that was the case, though. I was going to say, there's a lot of disappointed fans. I didn't come here to see the Generals win. Some reports say six, while the team official website reports having three victories over the Globetrotters. One in 1954. (laughs) One in 1958. And one in 1971. Oh, that happens all the The 71 win is the most storied of these and is sometimes reported as the team's sole victory. <laughs> see, they beat them sometimes. Yeah, see? See, I was right. It's happened three out of 25,000 times. I told yes. you. I told you I knew what I was talking about here. It happens. Um, that's, well, be that as it may, uh, it's about as often as the Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers at Chavez Ravine, it feels like. But beyond that, I... I, you know, if you're looking for any wild, like, overreactions from last night's game, I, I just, I don't, it's one game. It's, it's, I, I, the offense was disappointing, all right? I, I certainly thought they were going to be better than four hits for the game. I know that's Julio Arias they're going up he's against. So and I know he's really good. He's such a great pitcher. But, boy, they he shut them down yeah. after those first two you know, they there went was with nothing they, to be had. They went with that lineup. Kyle Lewis struck out his first three times up. I mean, it was just over matched. Uh, it was 0 for 4 in the game. He had four hits. And what are you going to do? And one of the hits was a Cattell Marte single that he tried to t- turn into a double. He got thrown out at second base. So he didn't even st- stay on base. So they they just had no offense in that game. They had no offense. Now, I, we all expect that their offense is going to be better. Yes. With Moreno, with Lord Scoriel, with a better balance of righty-lefty. Last, last, last night was just, you, you went up against a, a, a really great team with a really great starting pitcher, and they've had your number for a long time. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, we probably shouldn't be surprised. The reason that you think you have a chance to win is because you're putting a guy out there that you feel confident every time he takes 
basketball every fifth day, you can win. Mm-hmm. With Zach Allen, when those guys go out there, it doesn't matter who they're playing or where they're playing. When Zach Allen takes them out as a Diamondback player, as a Diamondback fan, you think your team's going to win that baseball game because he's that good. Last night he wasn't. He wasn't that good. A lot of times he can keep it. Look, a 2 nothing lead for Zach Allen in many of the games. You watch this through the rest of the year. Zach Allen with a 2 nothing lead. It's usually money in the bank. You're going to win that baseball game. Last night it didn't happen, but I think in the future, I think he'll get back to, you know, that he is what he is. You're going to win games when you give him a couple, you spot him a couple of runs. We had Tori on earlier for his weekly visit with us, the manager of the Diamondbacks, and, and he left, uh, at least me, with the impression, I, I don't want to speak for you, that 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 lineup that we saw last night, one that was designed to be built to go up against a left-handed starter, yeah. is something that we'll see more of. Now, we saw it, and it was like, is that Kyle Lewis batting lead? I mean, I like Kyle Lewis, but batting leadoff, and, and it was, you know, they had Corbin Carroll went down in the seventh spot. Uh, they had Jake McCarthy hitting ninth. I didn't, I didn't like it. You didn't I, like I, it. I didn't like it, but, but I, I think we can expect to see more of that against lefties. That's the impression I got from Tory when he was talking with us earlier today. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it just, they go by the numbers here a lot and not feel as much. A lot of teams do that now, to be sure. fair to them. I mean, sure. To the, be fair to the time. Yeah, and the numbers will show that, you know, righties are going to hit lefties better. Yeah. And lefties are going to hit righties better. And now that they had, and see, last year they had no choice. They didn't have any righties in the lineup. Yeah. You know, now you, you know, Lords Goriel is a right-handed bat they didn't have. Liguri is a right-handed bat they didn't have. Moreno's a right-handed bat they didn't have. Nick Ahmed is a right-handed bat they didn't have. There's, there's a lot more options now. They didn't have any options last year. A lot of times they, they had to go lefty versus lefty because that's what they had. And I guess if there's a takeaway from last night's game is that because they were so left-handed hitting dominant last year, they didn't have those choices. I wanted to see those choices do better because it's specifically what their mission was this offseason. Now, again, it's just one game. But they specifically went into this offseason, we've got to be more balanced. We've got to have more right-handed hitters in the lineup. We've got to be able to counter left-handed starters so far. One game into that experiment, that new lineup didn't do so hot, right? Didn't really make much of a difference. And that, again, that's Arias you're going up against. That's a real tough ask for any right-handed batter or any left-handed batter. But that's something that's going to bear keeping an eye on in future games is a lineup that was specifically changed to be a little bit more balanced. We didn't see it last night. I suspect it'll get better when they start facing more mediocre left-handed starters moving forward. I would think. Probably. I mean, they've got... There'll be plenty of times when I think you'll see... Thomas, Carroll, and McCarthy in the outfield. And you know, Goriel could be a DH or not play. If they go up against the righty, they're going to want to have that left-handed bats. And then the speed element, right? You know, not having Thomas. Thomas is a great defensive player. Alec Thomas is a great defensive player. You know, he didn't play last night. You know, Rojas has really proven to be a good play. He didn't play last night. So it is nice that there are... There's enough depth now to when you look at the bench, like that's a good player not playing. That's a, I mean, last year nothing against Stone Garrett. I mean, honestly, nothing against them, but like that was your fourth outfielder for for, for a, a portion of the season. Sure, David Peralta got traded. Your fourth outfielder was Stone Garrett. Yeah, I mean, he struck out a lot. He didn't put the ball in play a whole lot. So, you know, they let him go. And they got Lord Guriel. I mean, and they got Lewis. So they they feel like they're a lot better with the depth that they have now than they they had last year. One of the other big takeaways from last night too were the comments of Zach Gallen after the game, in which he admitted that he struggled with the pitch clock a little bit. That that the inning where things got away from him a little bit where he threw 27 pitches he said the pitch clock really forced him to throw those pitches 
faster than he normally would have. And Nick Picoro, who does a great job covering the team for AZ Central, he does. went back and, and looked at a similar inning last year for Zach Gallen when he threw like 28 pitches against the Rockies. That inning took 17 and a half minutes because he was able to control it. He was able to step off the mound, take, take his time, time reset mentally. He couldn't do that last night. He wasn't making any excuses. He just said, I've got to get used to this idea that I don't have time to reset the mechanism yeah. the way I did a year ago because there wasn't a clock forcing me to throw a ball every no, 15 you're on seconds. A, you're on a treadmill and it's going 7.3 the whole time. You don't get to knock it down to 5.5 to, to get your heart rate in order for a minute. or You don't, you don't have to do it. That treadmill's on up. you got to pitch. I mean, the batter is the same thing. I mean, I mean it was the, the, the kid hit the, the two-run homer last night. I mean, I, I totally remember him stepping out to be like, oh, I can't step out. He stepped back in. Then he looked at the other player like, can I call timeout? No, I guess I can't. And then he hit a two-run homer. Yeah. But it was like there was like two things where he was like he was trying to step out of the box and he realized oh, I don't have the time to do that. Got back in and then he looked at the umpire like because he didn't know like can I call timeout? He sure. said no, I guess I can't. So then he stayed in and he walked a two run home. Well, and it wasn't a Ginkle too who was almost trying to quick pitch. Yeah. And, be- and because the batter wasn't looking at him, you know, like no, he's got to be looking at you. It's not just that he's got one foot in the box. He's got to be like I'm looking at you. I'm ready for you to deliver the pitch. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's, the it's, counting crows and Mr. Jones. He's looking at you. I'm looking at you. Got to be looking. Yeah, can't pitch when he's not looking. It's not fair. Text us your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, who on earth is playing for the Denver Nuggets tonight? Because it's not who you think. Kiki Bandaway. That's coming up. Dan Issel. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo afternoons. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Contavious Caldwell Pope, out. Michael Porter Jr., out. Jamal Murray, out. Nikola Jokic, out. Antonio McDice. <laughs> that is all. George McLeod. <laughs> Kiki Vandaway. <laughs> Fat Leba. Uh huh. In. No, I mean, like, who's walking through that door? For Who the is walking tonight? through? Who's playing for the Nuggets tonight? Right? Yeah. Like we even usually, have... what you wait for teams to like wave the white flag until you know when they're down twenty with four minutes left in a the game. They're wa- Nuggets are waving a white flag right now. Yeah. Game hasn't even started yet. They're waving a white flag. Your starting five tonight might be Bruce Brown, Christian Braun, Vlatko Kankar, Aaron Gordon, and Thomas Bryant. And if you're Aaron Gordon, you're like seriously, coach. Everybody but me. Why don't I get the day? Why don't I get the day off? I'm like one of the top four guys on this road. Come on, like I'm I'm the one guy? Seriously? Me? I gotta be that guy? Thanks, coach. Appreciate that. Man. Thank you very much. Wow. Um it's too bad. It it's I get it. I get it from their perspective. If the shoe were on the other foot, I might be wanting the Phoenix Suns to do exactly the same thing. Not so much from a, I don't want to show them what I've got, though that might be part of it. Just from a, look, we've got three-game lead for the number one seed. We're on the second night of a back-to-back. I got the tiebreaker over the number two seed in the Western Conference. So I basically have a four-game lead with six to play. I don't need to be running my guys out on the second night of a back-to-back when I pretty much have this thing cinched up. So let's give everybody some rest. Let's See the force for the trees here, and not play everybody. I, I I suspect, quite frankly, 
that the closer we get to the regular season ending in a week and three days, you're going to see a few teams do this around the West where once they get kind of locked into their spots, now I don't know how many teams are going to get locked into their spots, but teams might go, it's just not worth it for us to play our guys. Rather rest of them save them for the playoffs. Yeah, listen, I think for the Phoenix Suns, you're not looking at you, you, you can't look at it like you, know, you would like to play them full strength. You want, you'd like to test yourself, but you're still like you're still working on a unit with Kevin Durant, who's only played four games with a lot of these guys. That's a good point. I mean, it's still like, look, this is a game they're going to play. They're going to play hard. All those guys are going to play hard. Sure. It's not the same talent level, but this is still an opportunity to sit there and, and just try to get yourself going right. You don't think about it any other way. You think about it. This is an opportunity for us in a four-quarter basketball game to get out there and continue to work on playing with each other, getting to know each other. Where do you like the ball? How do you like the ball? Work on on, on all of the, everything like that. So I think that there's still an importance for the Phoenix Suns. I don't write this off as, ah, they're not playing anybody. The game doesn't matter. For Phoenix, every minute they can get in a real basketball game situation with these guys playing with with each other before the playoffs, I think is a plus. I, I, I totally agree. It's just... It, it's just that the, what this game could have been, right, the kind of test this could have been, the kind of indicator, it is a little disappointing that it's not going to be that. But I think you're 100% right for the Suns and the situation they're in. It is, it's required for them to keep working on this with Kevin Durant. They've had four games with Kevin Durant. They, they've got to continue to figure things out a little bit. And so they can't – I don't think they're going to look at this and go, oh, we can take our foot off the gas. Denver's not playing anybody. No, you've you got to figure your stuff out. You got to figure Kevin Durant out. You got to figure out how to implement him into everything. So, I think for the Suns, the mission is still exactly the same. I'm speaking more from a fan perspective, yes. and from a fan perspective, and, and even to even from a Suns perspective, I do think a really good test right now against a really good Western Conference rival would have been a fun litmus test to see where you're at. But from a f- fan's perspective, it's it's just too bad because it deprives us of what could really be a legitimate preview of a second round matchup in the Western Conference playoffs. Yeah, you know? I think for a lot of fans, I mean, they'll they'll watch Kevin Durant and the Suns play against, you know, I don't know. Uh, Charlotte. Like Desert it, Vista High School. Oh, like, you're going lower like, than that. No, I mean, like, it just, yeah, I mean, this, I mean, Charlotte. Charlotte was, people were so jacked up. And I said, like, the schedule's mad here. Like, this is not a good, this is a terrible basketball But team. it didn't matter. They're people playing were four so- guys that are 23 years of age, and, but people still cared. People still cared. Because you wanted to see Kevin Durant play. He was playing for the Phoenix Suns. He's wearing your uniform. Yep. You know, he's wearing a Suns uniform. That's the same thing tonight. And I think normally there would be a letdown because of this matchup and who Denver's not playing. And I don't think there is that tonight. I think fans who are coming to tonight, they'll be a little disappointed they don't get to see Jokic. Well, until Matt Ishbia puts on the chicken outfit and runs around the court, <laughs> looking pointed at the Denver Nuggets sideline. You ducking us? Yeah, remember when Sarver, you didn't Sarver do that? Didn't Sarver do the chicken outfit with Popovich and the Spurs? What, did he wear an outfit? I thought it was. What do I remember that? Well, I, I, if, I if remi- he didn't, my my. If, if I remember something about Server and Popovich in the chicken, what what was that? I thought it was the Spurs when they weren't playing guys. If I'm wrong here, my memories. No, it's no, it just sounds familiar enough. I just don't remember the specifics. It sounds familiar enough. What's the old Google machine tell you? What'd you find? I got a picture of a chicken outfit right there. I'm just trying to see if that's what. Is, what did you Google? I'm, I'm, I just Googled Sarver chicken outfit. Roberts Sarver chicken. Popovich Spurs. says he surprised Sarver didn't apologize in a chicken suit. Okay, so it is actually. There's wear. a history. I think he did wear a chicken. Sh- I, thought he, I thought he wore a chicken suit. How many years ago was that? 
Okay, hold on. Here it is. Here it is. Okay, I, I got it. I got it. The, the, um, the Spurs weren't playing, guys. I totally remember this. Yeah, I, I, you do. You, you, I'm not questioning. You remember? You kind of remembered it right. Um, Robert Sarver on Thursday night apologized to Suns fans uh, after Phoenix's 121-90 win against visiting San Antonio. Hey, everybody! Sarver told the crowd with about three minutes left, "I want to thank you for coming out tonight. This is not the game you paid your hard-earned money to watch. I apologize for it, and I want you to send me your tickets if you came tonight with a return envelope. I got a gift for you on behalf of the Suns for showing up tonight. Thank you." Popovich wasn't there. Longtime assistant and Euroleague coach, uh, Euroleague coach, Ettore Messina took over for a night. I have it. Um, right here, here it is. I just looked it up. 2005 incident between the Suns and the Spurs. Popovich held Duncan and Ginobili out of a regular season game. Sarver mocked the Spurs by flapping his arms okay. like a chicken. So no chicken suit, but he did the chicken motion. Yeah. I mean, it's close enough, right? Is that like... I mean, it's... The, well, I was, I'm like, I don't think Robert Sarver ever wore a chicken outfit to a Suns game. But, right, he, but, he, but he imitated he did, he the chicken. Yeah, That's all we need tonight. Ish being to go look at the Denver Nuggets and pull a little chicken thing. There you go, chicken. Do you want to play anybody against us? Well, and there I mean, is... I'm, I'm half joking, you know. No, it, of course not. Yeah. But there is a very real thing, too, of the Nuggets not wanting to show the Suns anything. Now, I, I think it's less about that. You know, I, I think is there potentially an element of Michael Malone going, hey, it's not worth it for me to play all my guys and show Phoenix what I'm going to do against them or what I want to do against them if we meet them in the second round? Yes. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the simplest explanation here tends to be the truest. And the simplest explanation is second night, back to back, we basically have the number one seed locked up. Nothing to There's play for. no reason for me to burn my guys into the ground to play a game that really doesn't have that much meaning now, for us. Let's give everybody the night off. They play again in a couple days, right? Thursday, here. They're back here Thursday. Okay, now, if they do that again, we've got something to talk about. If they do it again, then I think it becomes a, I'm really not wanting to show you anything that we're going to do when we meet in the playoffs. Because it's not that hard to envision the Suns and the Nuggets in round two of the playoffs. Not hard thing, at all. The only thing, if I'm a player on the Nuggets and they do that, if they do that on Thursday too, I might start questioning whether, do you believe, do you not believe we could beat them? We're the one number one seed. We've been a number one seed. Like, do you not think we could beat them? Like, let's play them. Let's play, I don't care. Let's play them. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's send them a message. Let's go beat them and send them a mess. So I do, if I'm a, if they do it again, and I'm not saying they will because I don't know, but if they did it again and I'm a player on the Nuggets, I'd be kind of questioning my coaches. Do you, do you not believe in us? I know this is a different perspective, but it was interesting to hear Vic Lombardi. We had him on earlier. He's, he covers Denver sports. And he said, look, when the Suns got Kevin Durant, the, the reaction in Denver was like, God, are you kidding me? Are you serious? The one year we're the number one seed in the Western Conference and you're going to go do something like that? Right. I'm not saying that's what the reaction was inside the Nuggets locker room. Professional athletes aren't wired like that. But you can see how fans of Denver might go, oh, man, seriously? Really? Like the one year it could be us and you're going to go do something like that? So um, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Thursday yeah. and whether the same sort of thing happens because I, I don't think Denver will be on the second night of a back-to-back then, so you can't use the rest thing as an excuse. Um, like, like, Circle back to what you said at the beginning of this. The Suns 
have to worry about their own house, and they have to worry about their own guys. And right now, they still have plenty of work to do internally with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and how this is all going to work rather than worrying about who the other team is or isn't playing. And if we're being honest about it, too, the Clippers are knocking on your door. They're still game back. You know, they're in the fifth seed. You're in the fourth seed. It's not like the Suns have have margin for error for the play-in tournament. They don't have margin for error when it comes to home court advantage. So the Nuggets want to rest their four best guys? Okay, do it, you know, because the Suns still want to keep that fourth spot. Is is Reggie Jackson hasn't played in a couple weeks. We we talked about this with Vic Lombardi. Like, you wanted Reggie Jackson here, and he's always been such a good player. He hasn't had any impact on that team. No, and I... I loved him. He has not. I had wanted any him here so bad, and he's had no impact up there. Yeah, hasn't played since the nineteenth. He played five minutes that game. He had been playing a little bit more, and it's like they're saying, like you know, with nine games to go, it appears the postseason rotation is still up for grabs. That was last week when I was just kind of reading a story about you know what's going on with Reggie Jackson, but he has not had an impact on that roster. This is your last shot to participate in the madness. Text the word Bucks to six twenty six twenty. Choose from the last. Four Four teams for your chance to win two hundred and fifty dollars. Text Bucks to six twenty six twenty. The Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks is presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Suns will have less of a test tonight against the number one seed in the West. Could the Suns take care of business even when the Nuggets are at full strength in the playoffs? Not that long from now. Next, Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo afternoons. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. Live from Footprint Center, our coverage today presented by FanDuel. As we're here for another half hour or so, Suns and the Nuggets coming up at 7.30. And as we just talked about in the last segment, no Jokic, no Murray, no Contavious Caldwell-Pope, no, um, who else am I forgetting? No, um, Michael Porter Jr. Michael Porter Porter, Porter, Jr., yeah, Yeah, that's the other one. But Aaron Gordon is playing. Yeah, Aaron Gordon, the the guy who drew the short straw, apparently. All right, I guess I'll play tonight, whatever. Uh, Suns, Nuggets coming up at 7.30. Now, uh, it's hard to believe... um, that we are one week from this Sunday. The regular season is done. Uh, it's almost over. Now, the playoffs themselves won't start until like two weeks from this weekend because they got to get the play-in tournament settled and figured out who gets the seventh and the eighth seed moving forward. But we're we're almost there. It's almost go time in the postseason. And, of course, this whole city is just going to be riveted by Durant and Booker and Aiton and Paul and, and what they can do. And the question is, is this the year? Is this, you know, Al McCoy's last year. The Suns have never won a championship. Kevin Durant has been acquired. He's healthy. Everyone's ready to go. Is this going to be the year for them to win a championship? And there are a lot of people who believe that it is going to be the year, that the Suns are poised to do it. In fact, you sent me an article today with you know three reasons why the Suns will win the championship. Yeah, and, and, it, and they're three very compelling reasons. Yeah, they're, they're three really good reasons. And not one of the reasons is, you know, the bench, Ross and TJ Warren and Bismack Biombo. It's all about the star. And with the three reasons that they gave, and uh, we'll just we'll just go in order here. Number three, the right trade trade deadline deal has produced NBA Finals runs before. Now we've talked about this not ad nauseum, but a few times. Mark Aguirre from Dallas.
Dallas to the Pistons, and they won. Drexler from Portland to Houston, and they won. Rasheed Wallace. But it's not about that. There was an interesting angle here. I didn't agree with all of it, but it says the Suns' biggest issue in the last few seasons is that neither Paul or Booker is among the best closers in the game. Durant is, and when the NBA playoffs get tight, having him on your side is a huge advantage. The Suns won a lot of close games last year. All of those clutch games, they were the best team in the NBA inside of five minutes. Historically awesome last year. Right, so I don't. So so Paul Paul and Booker were great in those moments. So I don't buy that. I think that's completely wrong. But adding Durant with two rings and playoff experience, and I think that takes them to another level. I think it's mostly wrong, but I will admit that this year the Suns have had problems closing games, and the Suns now maybe that's just a regression to the mean, but the Suns have had plenty of issues closing games this year. So while I would disagree vehemently with those who say historically they've had problems, they didn't last year. This year, they have. And so to have a Kevin Durant on the floor for those moments, even, and I'll keep going back to this, even Kevin Durant being on the floor against Minnesota a couple of nights ago, man, he didn't score one point in the last few minutes of that game, but just him being on the floor, what it opened up for Chris Paul and DeAndre Eaton in the two-man game was essential. And, And a lot of that is just the gravity that Kevin Durant has with the defender who can't leave him. You can't leave Kevin Durant, even when he's not shooting well. Right. And that was the point, right? He was one for eight to start the damn game. Yeah. He didn't even, he didn't shoot well the whole game. But you can't leave him. Can't leave him. And Devin Booker, you can't leave him. And so, if you've got Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton running a two-man game with two defenders that are guaranteed to not crash and help, Mm -hmm. that's advantage Chris Paul. Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton against teams third and fourth best defenders. Yeah. Bring it. As long as their two-man game is humming, they will punish teams. Punish teams down the stretch if that's the Suns want to do. So, I, I, I'll I'll disagree with the big picture premise, but small picture, yeah, the Suns have had problems. Yeah, it's almost like the team, the football team that has four great wide receivers, and that fourth one's going up against a fourth cornerback right. on another team. Exactly. Like, big uh, advantage for you there. Alright, reason number two in the article while the Suns can win the NBA championship. The West is the weakest it's been in years. Uh, this harkens back to, remember what um, Windhorse said on NBA Live the other day about what everybody was smelling. Here's 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 Windhorse on the on NBA Live. Grant, LeBron, Curry, and the rest of those Warriors, they smell something. They smell weakness in the Western Conference. Don't confuse all this stuff together for strength. It is a weak conference. Now, I'm saying that here in March. If we get to May and Jokic and the Nuggets and Ja and the, and the Grizzlies are standing there in the conference finals, they can give the middle finger to all those teams we feel. But right now, those teams smell weakness. And Durant's coming back. LeBron's coming back. LeBron's coming back on a bad foot because he smells weakness. He is absolutely right about the state of the Western Conference right now. I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. And, and I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But there are no obvious contenders who were like, oh, that's the team right there, yeah. right? Not in the West this year. No, and I think that's where, you know, that's Chris Mannix had the SI story today. The Lakers are going to win it all. Like, there's, you know, this could be an odd year where somebody that's a 5, 6, a 7, an 8 seed, a play in, you know, might be able to win it all because the West's top three teams are not viewed as that strong. Yeah, Chris, if you miss it, Chris Mannix, longtime NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, and he wasn't doing it just, Chris Mannix doesn't write stuff for clicks, right? He, he He's a really good NBA 
Gabe Ryder. He said, I'm being serious. The Lakers are going to go to the NBA championship. They're, they're going to go to the finals. And it's like, what? And he makes his case. Yep. And Ron, he, AD, the bench guys, yep. the role guys, yeah. Beasley, and it was, Hashimura, and just the, he thinks that they're going to go. And he really means it. He really thinks that they're going to go to the NBA finals. I'm not buying it at all, but he is. Reason number one why this article says the Suns are going to win the championship, and this is probably the most compelling. The Suns have the highest concentration of great players in the NBA. I love this angle. I love because, this angle, too, because, because you, where's the cutoff? Is it two? Compare everybody's two. Compare everybody's three. Compare everybody's four. Right. I don't think the Suns win the three. But you can make an argument they win the two and they win the four. Yep. That's exactly it. You could win the argument that if we cut it off at two, who are the two best players on any roster in the NBA? You could you could argue the Suns' top two are better than anybody else's best two. Yeah. And I think, honestly, that's part of what Mannix's argument about the Lakers is. LeBron and AD. LeBron and AD, when they're at their best, that's a pretty good two. Right? That's a pretty good one-two punch that very few teams can match. I don't trust that one-two as far as I can throw them. Uh, it's hard with AD. I'll give you that. If you expand it to three... It's probably Milwaukee. I Milwaukee's think Milwaukee. Big three. Drew Holiday. Chris Mer- Drew Holiday had 51 points the other night. But if you expand it to four, it's really hard to argue that the Suns' four best players aren't the best compared to any. So, so you got to believe in Aiton then as like, like yeah. that. Yeah. And I know. Because who's Milwaukee's next? Is, is it Portis or Lopez? Lo- Lopez or Portis. Portis, I'm sorry, Lopez or Portis, probably. I would say Brooke Lopez. I'd, I'd put him as their fourth best player. And I, I think that's advantage Suns. You know, I, big three, yeah, because he's a good, Brooke Lopez, always oh, a good, good player. player. He's a good player. Good player. Um, but I think if we're going top four, Suns, now, tonight's opponent, when healthy, I think the Nuggets are right up there among the best in the NBA. If I'm going to say my four best players are, yeah. up, 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 I think theirs are good. Um, really, really good. Uh, and that's where the Lakers suffer. That's where... Yeah, who's the Lakers three and four? Reeves right now is their three. D'Angelo Russell? Austin Reeves. Uh, I mean, right? Like, who's... Memphis is four. Sacra- Sacramento's four is good. De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Harrison Barnes, and Kevin Herter. It's pretty good. That's a good four. That's pretty good. It's a good four. You know? It, I don't think it's as good as the Suns, but that's a good four. Um... Clippers now they they're the anomaly. Now you could argue if we're going to Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, pretty good. Sure. Pretty good. Right? I think that's a great two. That was the team that was the team we feared the most, but Paul George is hurt. Yep. Warriors, if we're gonna go three, their three's pretty good. Four, not so much. It's just so it's just where's the where's the if we're talking about the greatest concentration of the best players. Their four with Wiggins is really good. If Wiggins, Wiggins is out is and really it, good. who's their four? Is it Jordan Poole? Yeah. But notice, and to your point, no one's talking about who the seventh best player is, the eighth best player is. Now for the Clippers, it doesn't matter as much. That's gonna be one of their big strengths come playoff time. I don't know if that's gonna be enough to make a Hill Beans. But they're incredibly deep, awesomely deep. 
what good does that do you if Paul George isn't playing? You know, what good does that do you if Kawhi Leonard isn't a hundred percent? I I don't think it does you any good in those circumstances. So yeah, the depth thing does get a little overrated this time of year. Who are the stars? Who are the best guys? Yeah, the Clippers. The Clippers made moves. I mean, they made they made a bunch of good moves. So they are they're definitely deeper. But if Paul George doesn't, you know, come back, then I think they're in trouble. I think the Grizzlies are pretty deep too. I think you know, if Ad, especially if Stephen Adams comes back, that'll be huge for them because I, I mean I love Desmond Bain. He's such a good player, and you know, Kennard is one of the best shooters in the league. Like they're pretty good. I, I think that they've got a lot of depth as well. I tell you what, the Timberwolves top four not bad either. Well, with Anthony he, Edwards, Carl so Anthony Towns, Gobert, Carl Anthony Towns, Edwards, and Conley. Conley, yeah. It's not bad. And Anderson's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. They just lost Naz Reed. Yeah, he wouldn't have been in that top four. Though. No, he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been. But their top four is not too bad either. But it's, again, not it's not. Not as good as the Suns four. And that's. Yeah. And, Durant and Booker. Durant and Booker. Durant and Booker. I mean, that's what you, your eyes just keep going back to those guys. Suns, Nuggets, 7.30 tip time right here on Arizona Sports. Nuggets missing a whole bunch of guys going in tonight. The regular season ends one week from tomorrow. When we come back, Diamondbacks baseball. It's about an hour away. We'll get you ready for game number two of the season next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. We're checking in on the Diamondbacks as they warm up for the game's first pitch. D-backs on deck, brought to you by Sonic Driving. Drive into your nearest Sonic location for the Super Sonic Double Stack Cheeseburger. For a limited time, only at Sonic. And by 72 Sold. 72 Sold. Get a higher price for your home. Diamondbacks on deck. D-backs baseball coming up tonight at 7-10. You'll hear it on the Arizona Sports app as it's game two of this four-game series between the L.A. Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Last night, the Diamondbacks dropped the opener 8-2 on opening night to L.A. Tonight, they get another shot at the L.A. Dodgers. And your pitching matchup for tonight's game, Merrill Kelly making his first start of the season for the Diamondbacks, obviously. In game number two, the World Baseball Classic Classic participant who kind of had an uneven spring because of that. The right-hander gets the start. Last year he was 13 and eight, a career-high 200 innings pitch, 200 and a third to be exact. He goes up against right-hander Dustin May, who last year a lot of injuries, only 30 innings. He was two and three on the season. Yeah, Tommy John surgery he was coming back from, so he only made the six starts. So didn't uh, didn't pitch a lot. Now he's had a lot of struggles against Arizona, which I'll get to in a second, but Kelly as well. I mean, Merrill Kelly is 0-9 against the Dodgers. 0-9 with an ERA of 5.97. Last year, he was 0-5 against them with an ERA of 8.25. So he has had his struggles going up against the Dodgers. Wow, I didn't, I was not aware. Well, you know what? It stands as a reason, right? Everybody struggled yeah. against the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks are... 3-22 at Dodger Stadium in the last 25 games they've played there. I guess we should expect that Merrill Kelly's never beaten them and that guys have struggled against them. Merrill Kelly, to me, is, and again, I'm not going to judge anything off of one start tonight when it's game two of the season. Who does that, right? But to me, he is really one of the key guys for the Diamondbacks this year because I, I, I worry he's going to take, again, I want to make sure I'm real clear about this, not a big step back, just a little bit of a step back. He was really good last year. 13 wins, 
200 innings. He was ultra-dependable, and I just wonder at his age, and given that he's never really performed to that level, you know, the repeatability of it. I question a little bit. Like, I don't know if he can reach those same levels. Maybe you can argue he doesn't have to, but I don't know if he's going to quite get there this year for the D-backs. Yeah, it's, it's, I know you've said that quite a bit. I mean, he's been such a workhorse, right? He gave, gave you 200 innings and, you know, gives you a chance to win every game, and uh, we've just never seen it. I mean, I may, maybe eventually we'll have that. I, I think that's one of the reasons why he wasn't traded last year, right? The Diamondbacks value him a lot more than other teams did. Nobody looked at Merrill Kelly and said, well, that's the guy I got half of my rotation for a playoff game. But, but the Diamondbacks have always valued him because of his ability to take the ball every fifth day, pitch a lot of innings, get himself out of jams, and, you know, he wins games, and he, and he, and he, and he goes deeper in games and keeps your bullpen fresh. So I've always liked him. I know they really like him. Um, I think he's going to have another good year. I think he's a, you know, he's probably better. And, and to your point, he's probably best suited being a number three That's, on most teams. Yeah, yeah. But here, because Bumgarner struggled so badly, you kind of looking at him to be your number two. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at past seasons where year before last he was seven and eleven with a four point four four ERA in twenty seven starts. The, he was good during the pandemic shortened twenty twenty season. He pitched to a two and a half ERA, but he only made five starts. Um, his first year with the Diamondbacks, thirty two starts, four and a half ERA. Again, not bad. Just last year is a little bit of the outlier when it comes to his brief major league career. And so there's always kind of that, okay, let me see it again. Let me see you do it again. And just until you see him do it again, there's going to be that question mark as to whether he can or not. As far as last night's game goes, the opener for the Diamondbacks got off to a great start. Diamondbacks jumped out to an early lead. They were hitting the ball well. They were being aggressive on the bases. Uh, Julio Arias just shut them down. And and not Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen struggled after those first couple of innings and seemed to struggle with the pitch clock in particular. Look, Dimebacks only had four baseball hits in the whole game. One of them was a, a single by Cattell Marte, and he was thrown out at second trying to stretch it into a double. So not a lot of hits. But they got the sacrifice fly from Gabriel Marino. They got the big base hit by Christian Walker. They had that 2 nothing lead. And a lot of games that Zach Gallen pitches, you feel pretty good you're going to win the game when you're up 2 nothing and Zach Gallen's on the mound. But he had his struggles, and Will Smith had a good game against them. And when the bullpen came came in, they weren't able to hold it down, so they end up taking that loss to the Dodgers, and what is that, 22 losses out of the last 25 games at Dodger Stadium? Correct. That's, yeah. a, that's an ugly, ugly number right and there. And then certainly part of it, and this comes from Josiah on the FanDuel text line, how bad was it for you guys to see David Peralta and Dodger Blue? It was yeah. weird. It was weird. Yeah, it's my wife I almost didn't recognize him, honestly. I almost didn't recognize him. Yeah, my wife said it to me, man, that just doesn't look right. He was a long time Diamondback, and such a good Diamondback, and uh, to see him wearing the Dodger blue. I mean, we've seen other guys that have gone there and, you know, wore the blue. I mean, Ian Kennedy, Daniel Hudson, Luis Gonzalez wore the Dodger of blue course, at course. one point. So, you know, we've seen many a guy go there and play for them. Uh, A.J. Pollock, again, but like with Peralta, it was, yeah, that was weird to see him in those colors. You know, honestly, I, I don't know why I can't put my finger on it. Peralta going there doesn't bother me the way other guys have bothered me. Maybe it's because he's at the end of his career. and Probably. It's, it's not like he got paid a lot of money. He was like $3 million. Dollars. It's it's you know I, at this point I'm just happy David Peralta is still a major league baseball player. Um, like Berthume was joking last night, we can't call him the freight train anymore. Of course we can. Well, you still call him the freight train. He, his David Peralta's place 
in Diamondback history is secure. I, I, I think he can still be beloved here, even though he went to the L.A. Dodgers. The injury report is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. The first step to help is three numbers away. Call, text, or chat 988 to access the suicide and crisis lifeline. Not much has changed for the Diamondbacks in that regard with their injuries. Carson Kelly, Joe Mantiply, Corbin Martin, and Mark Melanson all on the 15-day injured list as it was before. The MLB standings presented by Desert Wholesale Diamond. Desert Wholesale Diamond, honored to be a part of your big life moments for over 32 years. Little early to start looking at the standings, uh, but I can tell you the teams in the National League that all got victories in opening on opening day. The Rockies, they beat the Padres. Pittsburgh got a win. The Mets got to win. Of course, the Dodgers, the Cubs, and the Braves are all 1-0 and so far to start in the National League. Yeah, it's a, definitely a little early to, to look at that. What you hope to do, and when you think about the D-backs, what you're hoping here is that you don't want to start off 2-8. and eight. You don't want to go through a, because you're playing the Dodgers and the Padres so much, you don't want to put yourself in such a big hole. I don't look at one game or two games, but if you look at games in you know, like 10-game increments, you don't want to be 2-8 you know, and eight or 3-7. and seven to start the season. And remember, with the unbalanced schedule, too, I, I'm not telling you, I know you know this, but for our audience out there, Diamondbacks have four games against the Dodgers, four games next week against the Dodgers. After that, they have five games left the rest of the season against the Dodgers with this new, I, I call it an unbalanced schedule, this balanced schedule yeah. that we have. It's a very different look. All right, let's get you a key to tonight's game. Listen, man, I need you to be the key master. I am the key master. Arizona Sports, the home of Arizona Diamondbacks baseball. D-backs, keys to the game. Driven by trucks only, the Valley's number one independent dealer and home of the lifetime engine warranty. All right, Merrill Kelly's had his struggles against the Dodgers. 0-5 last year, 0-9 in his career, 5.970 or 8 total. The guys that have done the most damage, Max Muncy batting 423 against them. Freddie Freeman, 375. So those are the guys you got to watch out for with Kelly on the mound. Rough night for Max Muncy last night, that's for sure. That's going to do it for us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We're out of here. We'll see you Monday, straight up 2 o'clock here on Burns and Gambo. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.